welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Stefan O'Toole. Now, Stefan is a little bit different to our normal guest. He's fairly new to the industry. He's only been in the industry for about 12 months. Uh, he is a younger generation. He, he's, he thinks a little bit different. He's, and that's what we want every now and then. With this podcast, we've had a lot of very experienced people. We want to get some people on the podcast that can think a little bit outside the box, which I think Stefan can really do. He's got some really interesting ideas around what the future looks like and, and where he sees some of the areas that the industry can potentially improve as well. So Stefan currently works for a company called Edero, and they focus on technologies where they can help improve the utilization of equipment and how they can actually help form what the industry might look like in the future. So Stefan, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first got involved with the equipment rental industry? Thanks, Mark, for having me. So I am just a a little bit on myself. So I'm I'm born 88 uh, in Austria, in, in Europe. And um, I, I had my first touch point for the construction industry in um, after, after, after graduating from university. So I started out at Hilti Corporation. I think they're a big name in, in uh, power tools and also accessories and all the other stuff that you need on the construction side. So that was my first touch point for the construction industry. After that, I had my own uh, startup uh, as a co-founder, also in the same industry. And then I, I got the offer uh, to join uh, Idero. And um, essentially, that was also when we were transitioning towards uh, looking at different ways how we can use our technology. And um, that was also, you could say, the first touch point to the rental industry per se. To um, yeah, that was that was around you could say uh, twelve months ago, approximately. And uh, yeah, it's been very interesting, and uh, it, it's a very interesting industry indeed. And I believe that's. Uh, that's that industry will prosper in the future even more because the, the whole the whole world is moving towards uh, like renting equipment uh, using equipment when when you need it and stuff like that so i think it's more or less going away from that ownership model more more to a more flexible way of, of, of uh, using equipment and, and yeah but that, that was really my first touch point okay and so what was your startup Startup is uh, uh, was or is based in Vienna. I mean, it's still around. Um, I am uh, still co-owning to a certain degree, but um, I just um, yeah, we, we we started it out in 2017. It was around IoT solutions, so Internet of Things. So essentially, um, connecting machines uh, to the cloud and using the data, and and um, I mean a little bit you could say some, something similar that the telematics guys are doing. So you want to have insights into how your equipment is performing, how you, uh, um, how, how the stats add up, if there's any problems with it. Um, but I think that the, the really most important point is you wanna have visibility into the real world um, and that can be created by data. And um, you can then transform that data into new services and products, optimizing your customer journey and all of those things. And that, that's what we've uh, been doing. Okay, and so what's your current role now? Today, I'm a director for business development uh, for Dedo. Like we're currently, well, we have just currently built our own uh, business unit that is um, building the solution for the construction equipment rental industry. And so my job is really to uh, talk with prospects and uh, like also co-develop it with our customers. And we are currently having um, 
I think, what is it, three or four projects running at the same time with rental companies where we're developing the complex rental solution, but we can talk about this a little bit later. Um, yeah, but essentially that's my role. So um, uh, working in product, uh, you could say business development, which is also supporting the product development. Okay. And so have you always been based in Austria? Uh, yeah, correct. Um, I mean, I work full-time remote, you could say. And um, like now we have, I think it was the one year anniversary for COVID, right? So I'm essentially forced to be a full-time remote, but I think I also, um, it has a lot of advantages. So we, we are currently talking with uh, companies around the globe uh, and also doing projects in different countries. So it, it works really fine. Um, and I think, um, yeah, that's, that, that's a cool thing. Um, you, you can essentially still work around the world when you have internet connection. We talked about it just, just before in electricity. Yeah, but I'm based in Vienna, but uh, I'm, I'm essentially covering the whole world, but with a, with a strong emphasis on, on Europe, European market. Mm. Okay, and so when we were talking before, I could really tell you were quite passionate about the rental industry. So, so what sort of got you interested into it and sort of uh, where, where do you sort of see the industry going? Yeah, I think um, the, the cool thing that attracts me really to the industry, it is, uh, is something that, um, as I said before, the, the world is moving towards um, like more sustainable utilization of, of stuff you could say, right? It doesn't really matter if it's construction equipment, if it's cars, if it's anything, right? And I think that's, that's going to be on a, on a global scale, one of the things that we have to have in mind for this century, I believe, right? We have to move towards more sustainable use of, of the stuff that we produce uh, and the resources that we have. And I think that's the cool thing um, about the rental industry because that is essentially baked into the business model, right? Because one of the most important things is that um, you, you make sure the utilization of equipment is very high. And so and I think that's very attractive. I mean, we have, uh, as a data are now having a, our own business unit. Our uh, mission that we say is that we want to drive sustainability in construction industry, right? And um, and that's very interesting. And I think that's not only interesting for me, but also for a lot of people out there. Um, I think for for personal reasons that mean you're doing something great for the world. Um, and I think that that's also going to attract a new generation of people coming in into that industry because. I believe sustainability will be something that is more important for the people. And um, I mean, I see that there's also like, you could say um, a shortage uh, in, in talent in the construction industry. And I think that's also some, some, some leverage here to say, guys, we're doing something great here. We're doing something like for, for the future of our, of our world. Uh, and that's very interesting, I believe. Yeah, I sort of agree with you with the, the talent side. I feel like the equipment rental industry is really a bit of a hidden gem. Like not yeah. many people realize how big the industry really is. Yes. Yeah, agree. Agree, absolutely. And I mean, like the other point to that is I just love the equipment. I really have to tell you, you know, and it, I, I get really hooked when I started out um, at Hilti Group uh, after my university because like they have very high class premium equipment uh, and power tools. And you know, I just love the touch and fear, right? Then I just moved up like in, in the size, right? So now you have the heavy excavators and all of that stuff mini excavators uh, and, 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 and all of those equipment. I, I just, I don't know, like if you touch that thing, it's like steel and I, I don't know, it's like the, I just, I just um, find it very, very yeah, interesting uh, to, mm. to work with that kind of stuff. 
I always find it amazing when I'm walking past like a, a big construction site and then you see a huge excavator or, or a bobcat or whatever it might be, a skid steer, and it's yes. like moving dirt and it's just, I don't know, I'm always, I'm always stopped and memorized by just like what's happening right there. And I've always yeah. wanted to go to one of those job sites where they've got those huge like mine sites with with monster yeah. equipment where you've got the, the pickup trucks that are next to it that's like the size of the wheel basically. And that, yeah, that's always crazy. like interested me as well. It's crazy. You know, I was at Balma, I think two years ago, and then I was standing in front of a, a mining truck. And, you know, it's like, what the fuck? You know, it's like so big. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it, it is that, that physical thing, right? That, that you can actually touch those things because, I mean, we're moving very strong towards softer and stuff like that, stuff that is like, like intangible, right? And, um, and, and uh, yeah, and that's the cool thing about, about the stuff that you can touch and see and, and feel it. And so, so what are some of the trends that you see in the construction industry? Yeah. So the thing is, I mean, first of all, what I believe is there will be a lot more technology in the future in that industry. Um, and I think there's some drivers for that. I mean, like essentially every week I have conversations with rental companies and what I see, I, I see some patterns, right? Um, I, I see when we're, when we're coming from the, from the problems or from the challenges side, why, why the stuff that I would just talk in a minute uh, where I see the, the industry moving uh, comes from, I see the patterns that there's, a, there's a, a limit on how the rental industry players can differentiate themselves, right? I mean, you could say that equipment rental is a very commoditized uh, um, offering, right? Um, I give you equipment and you give me your money. And uh, essentially something like that, everybody can do it. I mean, if you have some financial means, you can buy equipment and rent it out. And I think that that has been this way for for uh, for, for for a lot of times in the past, right? Um, so so I think the differentiating part is is going to be very important. So rental companies will look for ways to differentiate themselves apart from having um, uh, the best price, you could say, um, because of course that's not a very strong position. I think uh, margins are under pressure, and that's also something where we see a lot of consolidation in the market that. Uh, smaller companies are being bought by bigger ones and stuff like that. So I think that's the one point uh, to differentiate. Um, the other one is, I believe, uh, that goes also with that. The, uh, the the other big mega trend is just digital renting, right? You, I mean, I have a lot of um, uh, examples where you can see that rental companies just invest a lot of money into offering the customer a new way of interaction, uh, interaction and interacting with that. And I think there was one video on YouTube from the Herc rental um, president when he said that in five years, uh, he wanna see all of his uh, like customers manage their business out of, uh, out of their uh, phone, right? And I think that's, it's, that's essentially showing where the industry is moving, right? <clears throat> I think um, essentially the, the smartphone just creates a new infrastructure on the job site. And um, that, that is something that the rental companies can use and they will use. They are now investing a lot of money in offering new ways of interacting with the customer. And then of course, connecting the front end, um, the application or the website and stuff like that to the back end because there's still a missing piece. So there's still a person involved when you uh, rent out equipment, but that, that gap is gonna, gonna be closed. So digital renting is a big one. Uh, and then the other thing that, especially also we are the data are working on is contactless rental, which means that um, you can give your customer a new way of, of, um, yeah, of using equipment, right? So. 
just to give you an example is um, on-site equipment pools, right? So you as a rental company have a big job site, you're acting as the sole uh, rental company for that job site. You have a contract with the general contractor. You provide all the equipment on that site and access and also uh, billing is done in a way that uh, the operators and the guys on, on the on the job site can connect with the smartphone to the machine. They can uh, more or less start, start the rental um, and then uh, run to all the pre-checks and stuff like that, can use it, can lock it again with the phone, can put it back on the pool. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on in that direction. So uh, contactless rental will be around. Uh, we are, we're doing the first projects in that direction um, and it will be the mainstream in, 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 uh, in the near future, to be very honest. Yeah. yeah, I actually saw that video on YouTube of the, the president talking about, he had his phone in front of him and he was like, one day in the near future, like our whole business will be running off this mobile device. And yeah, you got to have yeah. pioneers that are sort of thinking ahead and, say, and saying, all right, because yes. everyone, there's, there's always going to be doubters. It's like, well, you got to be behind yes. a desk and stuff like that. And you, you got to have people that are sort of, even if it isn't in five years or it's in seven years or whatever, as long as you're you're thinking like that and you're, you got the right mindset, you're willing to invest in technology that's yeah. a big part of the role investing in the technology yeah yeah agree no i think that it, it it will be a necessity right because at the end of the day uh, we talked about this before it, the, the single most important factor for you as a rental company is the utilization of your equipment because that means when it is high i, I make more money right and um and that's not only the utilization is not important for the rental companies it's also it's going to be more important for the contractors right and so what telematics data and all of that stuff will um uh, will will uh, create is more visibility into the actual utilization of equipment, right? So this means that you as a rental company have to provide the insights into the equipment that is rented by the, the contractor. And they want to know how is my utilization on that equipment. And then if you as a rental company can make sure that uh, the equipment is used in the best way, not for you, but also for the customer, right? Then that's, that's something that's very important. And I think that's where, where the train has already left station I mean, uh, the big contracts are all already slamming um, telematics onto their own equipment because they want to have those uh, uh, insights. And um, the, like the genie is out of the bottle, right? You cannot put it back. And I think the stuff that we're currently working on is with the contactless rental is that there will be a dramatic shift also in the business model because currently what you do is I drop off the equipment on the side and then whenever it is with the customer, I, I, they have to pay me, right? I mean, you cannot take it off, off contract and stuff like that or off rent. That's, that's doable, right? But it's, it's always a manual process. It, you as a rental company want to make sure that it is just out there and they pay me, right? But I think that's going to change, um, especially with those contactless rental solutions where you can now say, Dear customer, you only pay me when you use it, right? I don't care if it, if it is at your job site, I make sure that the utilization is high and you just grab it, you use it. And uh, whenever you're using it, you're paying me, right? And that's a dramatic shift in the whole approach. And I always say, whoever, like, whoever is the rental company who can pull off this new um, business model and have a positive business case, um, they have a dramatic, a dramatic uh, um, differentiating factor. And you cannot go back, right? Um, so, so yeah, that's what we want to see. So do you think if that was to be a shift, because really, if you're making a big shift like that, you, you need the market to follow. Like you can't mm -hmm. have an outlier. And it's almost like, I'm not sure what, what's it like in, in Europe, but in Australia, mm -hmm. we have a thing called stand downs, which mm -hmm. is basically if it's raining, 
mm-hmm. you you don't pay for the use of the machine. Yeah. And to, to basically say to somebody, all right, you're only going to use the machine when you need it is a big shift. And as you said, you yes. really need to have a, a good use case there or a good model that's going to work for the exactly. entire market. And it's, there, well, there needs to be someone that takes that leap of faith, I guess, exactly, and, and yeah, really yeah. can pr- prove prove that it works. Exactly. You know, um, I mean, you said it before, right? Typically, what you have is technology and also new um, new things that are dramatic shifts are adopted through a cycle, right? So you have the innovators first. You have the guys who try this out. They want to be the first ones. They want to have um, always the new stuff that they can differentiate themselves. But that's all the fraction of the market, right? And then when you, when it's moving when it's moving from the innovators from left to right it goes into more like conservative uh, um, uh, players in the market, right? Um, and uh, especially from the first stage, from the early adopters towards the, the early majority, there's, there's that chasm, right? And um, that, that's, that's a leap of faith, you could say, for the mainstream uh, players in the market. But I believe the thing is, I believe that's gonna come. It's only a matter of time. Um, if in order to pull off such a model, you have to have a lot more insights into what is going on with your equipment. The, the, the train is going in that direction already and uh, your customers will just love it, you know, um, because um, I mean, the model is just very interesting for them. I mean, we're doing the first pilots in, 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 with, with those models. I think, I think a good point here is, and you, you sort of alluded to it, before people didn't have the data. So they didn't really know what was going on with exactly. their machines. Now that both, well, three people have the, the data. You have the, the rental company has the data. The OEM yes. potentially might have the data. And also yep. now the customer might have the data. Exactly. And between those three combinations and maybe even a third party software might even be sort of in the mix as well, trying to provide mm-hmm. solutions like track yep. unit, like we we're talking about before. So with, with all that information, you obviously can start making better decisions about your equipment rather than exactly. the blindfold approach where you're just going to say, yes. I'm going to bill because I know it's out on rent and, and so on and so on. So yeah. it's, exactly. look, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a, a mind shift. You've got to really think outside the box mm-hmm. for a little bit because it is yeah. a bit different. Yeah, exactly. But I think at the end of the day, what we have learned also in other industries, when there's a substantial um, advantage for the customer, in this case, the contractor, and as I said, they are putting all the stuff on their own equipment because they want to know all of that data. And now we're seeing big contracts asking the rental companies to say, guys, if you want me that I rent out equipment from you, you better give me all the data that I want to have through an API, which means I want to know where the machine is and I want to know when and how and, and uh, who was operating the machine, right? Because I need that in order to optimize uh, the job site because I don't want to have equipment standing around idle because I don't have the space for that. It's more dangerous, all of that stuff. So the contractors will want to have that, right? And there's a strong pull from them. Uh, and that, mm. that's going to be even further in the future. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess the the more one of the goals I think that the rental industry as a whole should have is increasing the rental penetration. And so yes. what that really means is the percentage of sales from the OEMs that goes out mm-hmm. needs to be as high as possible towards the rental industry rather than being sold directly to the to the end customers, which is which is happening. It is increasing. I think in America it's about 50%, maybe a bit higher in Australia it's about 50%. UK is very high. I think it's around 80, yeah. 85%. I'm not yeah. sure what Europe is, but the more that that increases, the more, I guess, 
these larger customers, these contractors are going to start requesting information like you're yeah. saying. And it makes it yeah. harder for the smaller guys. So if a small mm-hmm. rental company wants to get their equipment onto a large job site, they need to then match to that. Now in saying that the smaller yeah. guys can probably be a bit more agile in that, mm-hmm. in that sort of movement and adoption of technology yeah. and stuff like that. But look, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good point to bring up. Yeah. I think, I think for the smaller guys, like technology, like they have also, they have to jump on that train. Right. And I mean, I see like the, because at the end of the day, the, the contractors, they, they will not care. Like they just want to have the data and it, and, and it will be part of um, their checklists when they, when they uh, um, uh, let's say sources for, for a supplier. Right. Um, I think that that's, that's you can you, you will just see that i think there there will be just more data more technology in the industry in the next uh, few years and um i mean you you mentioned rental penetration right if you look at the european market um there's a big difference for example in the dark region where i'm from austria germany switzerland um you cannot compare that to the uk or maybe to the uh, to the nordics right i mean i know for a fact in the nordics there's contractors they don't even have their own equipment at all they rent 100% for the job site. They have they have uh, providers that provide them all the equipment, and um, essentially, I think that's a model. But I, but again, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to the utilization. Because if you are a contractor in your main core business, uh, then owning equipment can make a lot of sense. Because if you have a very high utilization um, and uh, you're using uh, the machines uh, all the time. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. But nevertheless, I think there's like, it's always the rent or buy decision, right? Um, but what what is independent of that is you want to have transparency. You want to have the data. And uh, that's not going to go away in, uh, anytime soon. Mm. So what, what ideas do you think the industry as a whole can think about in terms of increasing that rental penetration? Like for the rental industry, or for the players in the rental industry to be more relevant. I think what I said before exactly that, that you want to give more, like you want to be more proactive on the um, transparency around utilization of the equipment, right? And I think that's a way for the rental industry to become even more relevant, to, to try to be one step ahead of the customer and say, guys, sure, you can have all of the data you, and, and, and just making the whole using of rented equipment even, even better, right? And I see that this is something where the rental industry is now like shifting away from, okay, how can I internally optimize my business? So um, how can I increase my, my margins essentially? Now, now they are moving away from that internal view towards the external view. So how can I make it better for my customer, right? And I think that shift is, is, is very important. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's uh, gonna come. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, as I said before, sustainability is a big thing, right? Um, and it's one of the pillars of the rental industry that it is like the whole sustainability movement around this um, is, is helping the industry. So um, I think I think it's, it's gonna be very interesting and I, and I see the rental penetrations will go up and the industry is gonna be more important in the future. And that's also why the reason why I, I have chosen to be in that because I totally believe uh, in, in the whole uh, industry, so mm. and I guess the the rental companies have more power around keeping their fleet up to date. The the contractors they buy something, yes. sure. yeah, they're, they're doing major repairs and stuff like that. Sure, now, let, sure. let's take 
let's take uh, the emissions topic, for example. Uh, let's say in yes. Europe or whatever it might be that there's a, by 2025, zero emissions or whatever it might be that is sort of put out in certain sectors of the rental industry and then being yeah. forced to buy that type of equipment. The rental industry can, it's quite agile. It can sell its equipment, bring new equipment in. Yeah. Contractors, that's, yeah. that's a very big task. Maybe that might be the tipping yeah. point. Maybe the tipping point when, yeah. when low emissions or zero emissions equipment really starts ramping up that's when it might. I think that, that that's a big one. That's a big one. The other thing, what I, where I see, which is also the paradigm shift for the industry, is that currently in the as a rental company, you have that one-to-one -one connections. What I mean is that you have one equipment towards one a customer, right? So you have that combination. What we're gonna see in the future, and that we're, that's what also what we're working on with contactless rental, especially with the on-site equipment pool uh, use case, you're gonna have a. Uh, combination from one equipment, multiple contractors can use it, right? And that's that's where we have a lot of sustainability inc uh, increase in there because it means that um, there will be easy ways to just use my smartphone to take equipment off the pool, use it. Everything will be managed digitally, so the access control solution will be part in, uh, part of that, which makes sure that <clears throat> only cu customers that are my customers can actually use the equipment. Um, and so what you're breaking up is uh, the silos that, that says, okay, now um, there's, an, there's an equipment on the side. Uh, I don't know if it is used or not, but it's not available for the next customer because I need to bring it back to my uh, depot uh, and, and do all the processes around it. But imagine you can just say, like the next customer just takes the phone and sees, hey, there's, a, there's equipment on site and it's not gonna be used. And I can just like connect to it, uh, like do a check-in process and then just use it, right? So you get away from unnecessary logistics. Um, you know, I mean, that's a that's crazy. And and the, and the contractors just have less equipment on site that's standing idle around and stuff like that. So that all of that models, that's going to be the future. And we're already working on that in pilots. Um, and yeah, uh, that there's a big leverage in that. Mm, yeah, I can imagine like just the logistics, like when I'm thinking about the logistics side now coming back and forwards and saving of movements and yes. stuff like that. But yes, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really you, another you, good point. The data gives you a way to, um, to optimize the supply and demand match. Right. And, you know, imagine if you have a lot of data on the utilization rate of the equipment on knowing like, um, like on having past data and stuff like that, predicting stuff. So that has a huge impact, right? I mean, if you can increase utilization and try to, to slim down your, your structure on the depots, that you say, okay, I, at least I need less, less depots anymore. Maybe I need less people on the depots because um, uh, or there's another use case, right? You could say, um, I have a designated area where customers can pick up this stuff so themselves. So my guys just prepare the equipment and then 24 seven, they can just grab it, right? They come in, uh, they connect, from the phone to the machine, do a, um, a, a handover check and stuff like that, load it onto trailer and drive away. So I think a lot of stuff that we see in other industries like uh, automotive will eventually come to the rental industry and it's gonna be very, very interesting. So, yeah. Mm, no, for sure. And I guess what comes to mind as well is, is data. So yes. when we talk, let's talk about two parts of data. We've got the, uh, the machine data that, that's pushing uh, IoT, uh, telematics data back and forward uh, around the machine. And then you've got yes. your, your ERP data, let's call it. So the data that's mm -hmm. in your, your operational and financial systems. I think yeah. an area that a lot of people still struggle with is 
what to do with that data. Like there's so mm. much data there and yeah. how to analyze it. And I think that's probably going to be a big play in the, the next few years as well, how people can get better yeah. at analyzing data. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and also one thing to add to that, I see the current focus, <clears throat> especially also for the telematics guys, is centered around the machine, right? Um, I mean, there's one big player that, that has a, a movement called Eliminate Downtime. And um, I mean, it's in there, right? You want to make sure that you have... Um, very low downtime of the equipment, right? Unplanned downtime and stuff like that. And you can, you of course, use data of the telematics to have a have a look into the condition of the machine and all of that stuff, right? Uh, when is the maintenance due and stuff like that. But I think what we're going to see is that, uh, and that's also what we are doing, is that the biggest leverage that you have is when you look at the process, not the product, the machine itself, but the process. Um, and uh, just to give you an example, of what I said before, the on-site equipment pool, if you have equipment on the job site and you can optimize the process, that means I don't have to bring it back to my depot, like do all of the process around it and then drive it back out again. It doesn't have to do with the machine itself. It is only about optimizing the process and technology can help you to, to improve that, right? And that's the biggest leverage. I mean, I mean, I just had a conversation two weeks ago with a Canadian rental company and they said, you know, sometimes we're transporting equipment back from uh, from, a, from a spot, uh, bring it back on a depot, and then just a few days after that, the next customer is asking for that kind of equipment. There was no major uh, repairs and stuff like that, and they were close to each other, right? So imagine we could just leave it there, and the next customer can just tell me, guy, you can pick it up, or we want to transport it over to you. Um, you know, what, what mm. crazy improvement that is, you know? But in order to do that, you have to have insights into what's going on with the machine. So the data is very important. Even like what's going through my head is if you've got multiple locations and you're bringing equipment back and you know that there's another rental contract coming up in the next couple of days, dropping it off to even to your branch that's closer to the next rental. Yes. Any stuff like yes. that. Like it's, and you can yes. only do that through yes. data. Only yeah, exactly. Data. And and, you, and that, that's what we're going to see, right? And like it's gonna be more technology and whoever can utilize the data in, in, in the best way, uh, they will have a tremendous uh, differentiating factor in the market. And yeah, uh, it's gonna be very interesting to, to be part of that. So do you have any other use cases where technology might fit into the rental industry? Yeah, I mean, like I, um, as we have a pod- podcast, um, I, I cannot show you that, but I just walk you through essentially. I mean, what we're currently doing at Edeto, we're, we're saying that we want to take that digital renting to the next level, which, gonna, which is going to be contactless, contactless rental. Um, and as I said before, our, our mission is that we want to drive sustainability in construction. So essentially, it's, it, it is a function of uh, complexity um, and uh, return on investment uh, and differentiation, right? So I think what we're going to see within the very, very short near-term future is digital access control solutions, right? So rental companies moving away from uh, pin pad solutions or RFID tag solutions towards a, a phone-based solution, which makes sure that if I have a contractor as a customer, their guys can, can utilize and, and, and operate the equipment and the others not. How does it work? You just take your phone, you connect to the machine, and then in the background, you have a profile that says, okay, that machine is rented for you. That is, that is your operators. Now you can use it. Um, if a random guy wants to use it, can, they cannot use it. They can like not start the ignition and stuff like that. So I think that's the first step. It's not too complex, but nevertheless, it, it adds already a ton of value for the contractor, especially around 
safety and security because you can make sure that, okay, I have an operator that is not trained on that, uh, that uh, piece of equipment. Okay, they cannot use it. So um, that's another one. Um, so that's, that's gonna be one of the first steps. Um, and, and, and another one without changing the rental business model totally um, is um, like the, the, you could say the contactless depot as I just said before. So you still have your depot structure, you have the equipment on, on the depots and um, you can, for example, offer your customers to say, hey guys, you can, you can collect your machine 24 seven, we will prepare it for you. So you can come in, you do the same process, you connect to the machine, you run through a, uh, a pre-check or a handover check and then you just uh, load it onto your trailer and you drive off. The other way, because there's also a lot of rental companies that uh, don't have self pickup, they deliver it to the job site, could be um, to have um, nighttime delivery. So they will just process the, uh, the order. They will, um, the rental company will, will transport the machine to the job site, drop it off. And then they say, guys, you can access that 24 seven, right? You just, again, take your phone, connect, make sure in the background that you can use it. And then um, you, can, you can essentially work with that. So that, that will be, I think, the, the second step um, of that journey. The third step um, could be, the, um, as I said before, the on-site equipment pool for, especially for the large projects, um, where you, um, as I said, we have a, you have a pool of equipment on the side that can be accessed by each and every contractor, right? Um, so essentially, you just do the same, right? Um, there, there will be the process around picking up the machines and, and stuff like that. It's more complex because. What's happening here is that what, what used to be done on your depot or in, in any logistics center that, that you have your equipment, um, the whole check-in, check-out processes need to be done in a very smart way and parts of it will be done by your customer, right? Um, and you have to be smart around this because currently you have your trained people uh, looking at the machines, running through all the checks and stuff like that. Um, and that's something that in the future will be done partly by your customer. Um, yeah, but it's um, a big one. And I think there will be a lot more use cases in the future, um, but that, that's the one that I see right now. But um, we believe that the train will, like it is already moving toward contactless rental, right? And you have seen it in other industries, self-service and all of that stuff. You wanna give your customer um, a way to, to interact with your equipment as easy as possible, right? Yeah, there's actually a customer in Australia that's, trying to go through a, a contactless engagement where they, their customers can pick up equipment 24 seven mm -hmm. from, from their yes. locations. And they're sort of putting a lot of R and D mm -hmm. into that at the moment. And, and one of the steps yep. that they did to do that was, I don't know what the names of the machines are, but uh, one of the challenges that they have is that the rental yard, the more equipment you have, the bigger the rental yard goes. So instead of going mm -hmm. across or making the yard bigger, start going up. So they have these, mm -hmm. these uh, depots, machine things where you put the equipment into the, the locker, let's call it. And it's mm -hmm, got like yeah. a code. And so someone yes. is coming to pick up a, I don't know, a small chainsaw or a generator or whatever it might be that, that can fit on the back of yeah. the truck, for example. And they put yes. in their code or the phone or whatever it might be. And then the machine yeah. basically funnels around and, and brings like seven B and then their piece of equipment comes out. Yeah. I think, I think that's what we're going to like, 
Um, we also see that in uh, like in the DOI space in B2C, right? There, there's some boxes and then you can just have a code and you can open that. Also the postal services guy have that. So I think for the, for the small equipment, that's fine. And that's also gonna be uh, the, the future, I believe. But then again, you need some solution also for the, for, for the bigger equipment, right? You cannot put it into a locker and stuff like that. Um, but I think that that's what I'm talking about contactless, right? You, you don't need a person anymore involved in that. It's self-service, right? Customers just pick it up um, or you deliver it to them and they can just do it. Yeah. Now I know a lot of people that are listening are probably going to get rolled up about hearing that customers are going to be doing some of the post rental inspection process. So maybe you want to mm-hmm. talk through that a little bit, just to understand like how that could even be possible. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, that's um, to be very honest, that, that is a challenging part. It's not a walk in the park. Um, I, I can tell you. And uh, as I said, we're currently uh, in the first pilots with that. So we're still in development phase uh, on that. Um, you have to be smart about this because, of course, there's, there's things um, that cannot be handed over to your customer, right? Uh, imagine you have some major repairs and stuff like that or major damages and stuff like that. But I think um, technology will enable to cover a big part of it. Um, and uh, one way to, to, to make it work is you're currently like driving your equipment back to the depot. Maybe in some cases, it's better to drive a guy outside, right? And just do it uh, on the spot. So. Um, those are the things that we're currently looking into in the projects that we're running with rental companies to, to find ways to, uh, to make that happen in, in a very sufficient way that is not overburdening the customer, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to make it as smooth and easy for the customer to use equipment. Um, and so you have to find the right balance here. So what are your thoughts about some of the upcoming rental platforms like like big rents and equipment share. And there's a few others in the market mm-hmm. like that. I mean, we have seen similar things in other industries, right? Um, if you take, for example, the um, hotel industry, right? I mean, there used to be hotel chains. Now there's like platforms that essentially do the supply and demand match. So you can just go there and just type in the this destination you want to be in, then it pops into that. I think those platforms are very interesting. And I mean, I had, I had a few discussions with that. And uh, what, what I see is that the question is why do, the, why do those platforms even exist, right? Um, and I think the reason for that is because the, the customers are just used to searching stuff online, right? And, uh, and they were just the ones to provide a very interesting and very uh, smooth customer journey, right? Okay, I need equipment, I type it in on my phone or a website and stuff like that. So I think that is also fueling why um, in my case, uh, in, in my perception, all of the rental companies are, are investing big times into their digital e-commerce solutions, right? Because they they know that this is important, right, in the future, um, to give the customer a, a very good uh, um, customer journey. So I think those platforms are they, they are successful now uh, because the industry is, I would say, a little bit old-fashioned and uh, not so digitally open, or it, at least it, it used to be. Um, and so it is a spot for them to come in and to add some value. I think what's going to be interesting in the future, how, we, how this is going to play out. Because what I still believe is that um, the digital customer journey, it will be matched. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Because if you throw a lot of money onto something, uh, then you can, you can copy a customer journey, right? So it's not something that you can defend, right? And I think there's a big differentiating factor 
um, to other industries because you still have physical assets, you know, um, you, you have equipment, right? And that equipment, um, uh, like whoever owns that equipment has, has a way of like, um, you could say locking out other players from using it. And I mean, what, what I see is that those platforms currently, they will not stay around being platforms. I believe what they're gonna do is they will, they will transform themselves into normal rental companies. Um, and I believe those platforms, they are coming from the digital first world, moving towards a traditional rental company because what I believe, what, what we're gonna see is, why the heck should a big rental company put all of their stuff on a platform where they will lose their direct connection to the customer. Because that's the point, right? You want to be very close with the customer and whoever loses that, that touch has a big, big problem. So I don't see that the big guys in the mid or long term will uh, put their stuff on such a platform. They will just build it by themselves. That's what I believe. The platforms themselves, I could assume that they, they're going to run into problems because they're going to have a hard time have um, enough supply of equipment on their platforms because essentially they're competitors of the traditional rental companies, uh, especially the big ones. I think it's a different situ situation with the smaller and mid-sized uh, rental companies. I do see that there's a spot because um, they they have to like they have to catch that digital train in order to be relevant in the future. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, but I think that that that's going to be um, yeah. How, how it's going to be in the future. Yeah, well, when I spoke to big rents, I guess the way that they spoke about it was yeah, the small to medium-sized rental companies were really their, their target market because the, yes. the big end of town have got their own yes. R&D projects and technology roadmaps yes. that they're trying to walk through. And I guess the the way that they, they position it is use those technologies as a form of gaining more customers in other regions you might not have, mm -hmm. for example, yes. which I think is quite yes. attractive, but it... it to your point, it's like when they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, it's like, what more could they become? They could, they could really, because they're ramping up on the technology side, which is sure. something that I still think a lot of companies are struggling with because they they were built in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah. and they're yeah. stuck on a, some systems are stuck on an AS 400. Other ones are, mm. are still got to, they don't have a middleware for the API layer. So they can't communicate yeah. back and forward. Cause the real game changer that I think with these like, Let's just take uh, big rents or, or any other ones, equipment share. Imagine being able to rent on that system and it update your ERP automatically with the with the re-rent information. Yeah, that, that, but that that's 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 happening. You know, the, the the traditional rental companies are pouring in the money to build exactly like this. So it's gonna be. I mean, I see the the platforms. They have a big big advantage because they don't have legacy, right? They are starting from um, a higher, like a more modern technology basis, right? And um, of course, the rental companies that, are, that have been around, they have legacy systems, silos and all of that stuff, but I think they will break it up. And that's what I, what I say about, uh, that's what I mean about this, that the big guys, they have understood this and they are now pouring money into that. And once they are on par with the platforms, then it is, then it is about, okay, whoever, like who has the equipment, right? Who has the, um, who, ha who can use the equipment to, um, to supply it to somebody, right? And um, I think that that's gonna be very interesting. I don't see that too much on the smaller and mid-sized rental companies because what you just said, that 
uh, big rents is focusing on that. I think it makes a lot of sense. We also have those in, in Europe, but uh, it's going to be interesting, I believe, because mm. um, I think what, what I believe is the most important um, asset that any company can have is the, the direct connection between you and your customer. And you don't want the uh, platform to squeeze into that, right? Um, and I think, uh, yeah, but, but we'll see how this plays out. Mm. Well, I guess service is such a big factor as well. Like in having, if you don't have that connection, it does make it hard to, to guarantee service and yeah. Yeah. And sure. turnaround times and stuff like that is, is, is a factor. Yeah. I mean, like we have one platform here in Europe, they just opened their own logistics center. Um, and I mean, I don't know the exact reasons for that, but I could imagine that like in order to, give your customer the best um, user experience, just having the best platform is not enough, right? Because at the end of the day, you need to transport the equipment somewhere. You have to bring it back. You have to do the maintenance, repair and stuff like that. And yeah, it, you have to bring it all together. So I believe, yeah, that's gonna be very, it, it's gonna be very interesting. So the one, the, the platforms are coming from the digital first world side. The rental companies are coming from the traditional rental business, but at the end of the day, they're gonna meet in the middle, I believe. Um, and the new normal then will be um, digital contactless rental solutions. That's what I like. Yeah, and I guess we could all learn a lot from like Amazon. And the, the key to Amazon is it's just so easy. It's so easy to yes. rent, to, to buy something. Yes. Sorry. Yes. You literally don't even realize the next second it arrives at your door in four hours' time by mistake yeah. because you clicked on a button. Yes. And I yeah. think that's probably part of the key. It's about. These yeah. companies, if they can design a, a website or a user interface that allows people to easily rent things to solve their problems and actually deliver on those as well, that, that's a that's a big game changer for a lot of these bigger yeah. companies. Exactly. And, and I mean, the thing is, that's what we're going to see right now. Um, those apps and platforms and stuff like that, like they are built and you can design a very interesting customer journey. Then again, as a legacy player, you have to connect that to your backend, right? Because those two things need to communicate uh, seamlessly. Uh, I mean, that's also why there's some middleware being built so that you can have everything converted and, and, and get into the right system and, and doing back and forth communication. I think that's important. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then, uh, as I said, like you, you want to give your customer a way to interact with your equipment in a, in a very easy way, right? And that's where the contactless stuff comes into play, right? So you need an interaction then from the customer to your machine and stuff like that. So it, it's going to be a different world in the future, I believe. And mm. um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, so talk to me about your thoughts around the mobile app side. We spoke a little bit about yeah. at the start. So where do you see the mobile apps sort of playing out in the industry? I, I mean, they are becoming the de facto standard in, in the very near future, I believe. Um, I mean, you will still you will still have people that are just calling in because it's very convenient and, and, and stuff like that. But I think, I mean, I mean, I'm born 88, so I do a lot of stuff on the phone, right? I mean, in other industries, there's no interaction through um, like a person directly um, altogether. I think it, the, the personal thing is gonna be very in, important still in the future, I believe, but um, the apps will be become a centerpiece of the communication, right? Because it's it's essentially a means of communication, right? And I mean, there's a reason why the Herc president is talking about this in, in that way, um, because I think train has really left the station towards uh, that world. And I mean, I always say, because 
still in Europe, we have discussions around, hey, yeah, but you smartphones, are they really used on the job site and blah, blah, blah. And then I always say, you know, I would, I would say that 99% of the people on the job site have a smartphone. Uh, from the excavator operator, I mean, I even did a post of that, right? There was one guy sitting in an excavator and in, in his lunch break, he took it out and then I guess he was writing on WhatsApp and stuff, about, stuff like that. So I think the penetration of the smartphone is so high. The only question is like, are they allowed to use the, the smartphone on the job site? And can we build solutions around that really bring value, right? But the infrastructure, it is there, you know? Um, and people are used to using smartphones. So why the heck not use it for, for uh, equipment rental, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I guess to your point that you said earlier, it the key to that success isn't taking a smartphone and saying, this is going to solve everyone's problem. No, it's, no, no. it's figuring out, all right, how do we take those processes now and improve them, make them paperless yep. and improve that engagement and then build a solution that fits into that? Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I, I said it before, I had my own startup, right? And the worst thing that you can do is uh, technology looking for for use case because you will artificially try to do some stuff where your technology can help, um, but that's not the right way. You have to come from another side and say, so what are the biggest, most important questions and challenges and problems in the industry? Uh, and so coming from that and then say, okay, which kind of technology could, could help to, to ease those, right? Uh, and solve it. Uh, so um, yeah, that's I believe how, how you should do it. Mm, okay, cool. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about you. So mm -hmm. if you could give some advice to your younger self, what would you say? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I would say to myself, I believe, like be bold, right? Um, and, and like, don't be afraid to fail. Um, re read, read more stuff, educate more yourself more, and especially on to um, how, how our own psychology works and stuff like that, because I think that's the underlying basis for everything, right? I truly believe that at the end of the day, everything comes down to your perception, how you see stuff, right? So that you say, I have this and that challenge and um, uh, there's always a way how to look at stuff. You could always say, well, it's so hard and uh, why, why me and stuff like that. And then you could come from another angle and just say, okay, now that is something where I can grow and I can improve myself and stuff like that. So I think, I, I mean, I'm doing that a lot now. I should have done it 10 years ago already. Um, but th that brings me to the other point. I think we should just forgive ourselves more because um, like, I cannot like, uh, like get back 10 years from now, it's not gonna work, right? So I think we should just forgive ourselves more and, 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 and love ourselves more in a sense also, because um, I see that that creates a lot of problems, right? It gives you a bad feeling and stuff like that. And that's not necessary. I think we should always try to look forward and just say, um, okay, now I know more than I used to. Uh, and so now I can uh, improve myself and just um, keep going. I think like, Always keep going. I think that's that's good a good thing to have in, in mind. Mm, like a continuous improvement. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think, I mean, um, at the end of the day, I think it comes a lot down to um, having self-confidence and self-love because, you know, 
unless you love yourself, nobody else, like it, there will always be some signals outside, stuff that's not going to work, stuff that's not working out. Um, and if, the, if you take all of that personal, uh, then you have a big problem. And I think you should, you should I think that's, that's important for me at least. That's something that happens and failure is just part of becoming successful, right? And you should take, you shouldn't take it personal, I would say. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't matter if it is in sports or in um, in any industry, also in the rental industry. I think there's a lot of uh, um, rental companies and, and owners and managers and stuff like that out there that have tried stuff and failed miserably, right? But that's the basis for being successful in the future. And I think that's important um, to, mm. to have that mindset. Yeah, there's a book I read once called Mindset. I don't remember who the <laughs> author is, but yeah, the, it was basically on the premise of like your when in life or in anything, you're always given like multiple situations and some of them are good, some of them are bad and some of them are easy, some of them are hard. And it's all about the mindset that you apply to that situation. And you can always yes. look at like the worst case scenario. Why was it me? Oh, this is impossible. Yes. I'm never going to be able to achieve this. Everybody's always against me. I'm getting held back because of this. Or you can just take it on the chin and just say, all right, how am I going to make the best of this situation? How yes. can I, yes. how can I, Prove others around me to support me in what I'm doing. How can I? Yes. How can I make the best version of myself? And yeah, I, I yeah, I believe a lot in that because you you're basically putting you're the parameters of your own success. Like if you you if you put yourself yeah. in a box, you're being in a box. And I think what what is very important is that you have your your values like straight, right? I mean, I even use it when I communicate because the thing is, at the end of the day, we're talking a lot about technology, right? Um, but I think when you all boil it down, it is still human relationship, trust, uh, and, and all of those things that are the basis for, for doing business. And I think that's not, that's never going to go away, right? We, you will have some technology that improves everything, but that human factor, I think is still going to be very, very important. And I think we, we should, um, yeah, communicate in, in, in that sense also with, with those things, because at the end of the day, you want to create yourself. Um, if, if it is you or me or a rental company, it's a brand, right? That represents some values. And, um, and I think that's, that's going to be still very important in the future. And so talking about all this sort of stuff, like clearly you've gone through, I guess, a lot of learnings in the past 10 years, for example, about yourself and how you interact with others yes. and what you want and stuff like that. Do you think it's something that you can teach somebody or is it like a lot of times people just learn it by themselves along the way? Um, I believe you can teach it. Um, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, what I believe, what is a very, very large differentiating factor from one person to the other is uh, awareness and especially also self-awareness. So, and having no ego, because I believe ego is really one of the biggest enemies that you can have because it's limiting you um, on everything, right? Because I think, it's one thing to not know how to do it. Um, and you can learn this over time because if you do it more often, you understand that this is not working and you're trying to adapt and stuff like that, but that's only gonna work if you have awareness of that, right? But also only if your ego allows to see it and for you to be wrong, you know? Because if your ego steps in and says, no, 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 I'm not that bad on this, but you actually are, then you're in big problems because you will never improve, right? Because you always want to have the outside. Um, you you always want to try to make it better as it is than it, than it is, and I think that's standing in in your way. 
And I think that's something, I don't know if you can teach that. Um, I think it has a lot to do with character. I think you can only point out to people, hey, look, the question is, you can point it out, you can try to um, teach it, but ultimately the, the person has to be receptive to that, right? And wanna listen and wanna take it. And if they want, they don't want to take it, there's no, you cannot, mm. you cannot force people to do it, right? Yeah, it's in, in time. And yeah, some people don't want it. Some people like to live a simple life and, and go through life and, and that's fine. But I think some people that have the potential but are surrounded by negative people are sometimes held back yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to fear, I think. Because fear, if you ask me, fear is one of the most, um, let's say, limiting factors in your life because it could be the fear of failure, right? Um, as your brain is telling you now, you you your life is um, depending on this, that you are not failing on this and that. that and that's what I'm talking about perception, right? Because our brain is still in the middle, uh, in the in the stone age, right? It tells us, hey, now you're failing on this. Somebody gives you a bad or a negative feedback and you're thinking, oh shit, my life is uh, um, is ending, but it's not, right? And it's a, it's a matter of perception. Um, and I think like learning a lot about how your brain is structured and how those kind of things work because there's a um, physiology uh, around this, right? That helps you a lot to understand what's happening there. And you're not overemphasizing your emotion because that can play big times against you, I believe. Mm. Yeah, and I think touching on that, I think emotional intelligence is a, is a big factor as well. Being able to read yes. what uh, what the body language of other people and what's going on. You ask them on a question, they react very, you know, in an aggressive way. You think they're being aggressive yes. towards you. You have no idea what's going on in their life. Like being able to read exactly. the situation and yourself as well. Yeah, exactly. I have a model in how, because I am interacting a lot with, with other people. Um, and I always say, my model is always uh, let them find your way. And the reason why I say this, because it emphasizes them, because it always means they have to find why the stuff that you do makes sense for them, right? You cannot force anybody to uh, to do anything, right? I cannot say, hey, uh, dear rental company, I totally believe in contact with rental, you have to do this because what it creates is they will try to, to block it, right? But if I, if I give them uh, facts and, and, and tell them how other guys are doing it, like they should discover themselves, right? And if they if it makes sense for them, then they will want to work with you. But you cannot force anybody, right? And it's always a, a way of putting yourself in the shoes of the other person. So what you just said, you try to understand like how's the situation there? How is the industry going on? Right. So like really putting yourself in the shoes of the other person, I think, um, and let them find your way. I think that's um, very, very important. Mm, very good. All right. Well, look, I like to ask this question to everybody. And it is my last question. So sure. how do you define success? I believe that's, that's highly personal, right? Um, there's no formula for that. Um, and I mean, uh, for me, I have some pillars that I concentrate on and it's, it's, um, it's four things. Uh, for me, it's, it's love, right? To have good friendship and have a, a partner uh, and, and their love and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then the second one is health. You want to stay healthy, right? Because if you're not healthy, then um, yeah, everything is 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 um, useless. Um, then the other one is uh, freedom. That's very important for me. So I want to be free to, 
like I want to live in a free world, right? So so that I can decide what I want to do, and I'm not forced to to do anything. Um, so I can decide. Um, and then the last one is is also wealth. It, it can, it, this brings in the the monetary monetary side of of the things, right? You want to do well also uh, financially, um, so you can have a, a great life. So I would say that's my fourth pillar: like love, health, freedom, wealth. So now I also I also write that down every day. So I try to uh, like always stay on top of that. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you watch Fight Club every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but that's a that's good. A... That's a really good movie, right? I, I, I love it. Yeah, it, it opens people's eyes a lot. I think a lot of people still don't really understand that movie. You have to watch it a few times to really understand what they're trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think um, the like all the fighting and stuff like that. Um, it like that. that there's there's a, a different meaning to that, right? Rather than the, the fighting itself. Um, and I think freedom plays a very big role in that because, yeah, we we like if you don't if you don't love what you do right then your life is miserable so um yeah i, I like what you said before as well if you don't if you don't have your health you're useless <laughs> that's that's a that's yeah you know what, what what i mean if you're sick right then you cannot do anything right and, and so it should be very high on your on your radar yeah i think a lot of people get, get lose focus on those things and they get stuck in like a whirlwind of like emotion or work or sport or whatever it is that they're focused on and they they sort of exclude those things in their life which then obviously it's like a bit of a bouncing act like it's a bit of a scale you gotta you can't focus all in one area you gotta make sure it's back and forwards and you gotta have time for yourself to make sure that you can sort of improve and self-reflect and the fact that you write it down every day i think is a really good Mine. So I think someone came on the podcast and spoke about journaling and how, how mm-hmm. important journaling is to them because it yeah. allows them to ref, self-reflect a lot more. And yeah, I do the same, really, right? Really, really good facts. I, I, do, I do the same because I think what you have to do is you bombard it every day with all the different things, right? And they work on you. And I think what you have to do is you have to hammer and reinforce the right messaging into your head. And that's what you can do by just repetition, right? Like you're... Michael Jordan like is was the best basketball player because he just like there was training and repetition like crazy over and over and over again right and that's I think what, you, what we have to do with our brain right we have to reinforce the good stuff to block out the, the wrong stuff and um, I always use it because you know I think we all know that we have some days of doubt uh, and and where we have some like struggling some days it's very easy to walk through life and everything is like working out itself um, and then there's other days that when you're doubting a little more, you, a little bit more inside of your head. And that's always when I come back to my, to my principles and stuff like that. So that it, it's like, it's like a lane, right? On the highway. So it tries to keep you on the track <laughs> so that you're not going off the rails. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's, um, why, why this makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, repetition, I think it's, it's a key to to a lot of things that's awesome all right stefan really really want to thank you for coming on the rental journal podcast thank you very much mark please share follow like the rental journal podcast and see everyone in next week's episode